Hi, I'm Katya. And I'm Rin. And we're at the Commonwealth Center for Holistic Herbalism here in Boston, Massachusetts. And on the internet, everywhere, thanks to the power of the podcast. Yes. (laughs) Uh, So we're going to do this really fast this time because after listening to our podcast from last week, you already know all of the reasons why we say we are not doctors, we are herbalists and holistic health educators. The ideas discussed in this podcast do not constitute medical advice. No state or federal authority licenses herbalists in the United States, so these discussions are for educational purposes only. Everybody's body is different, so the things we're talking about may or may not apply directly to you, but they will give you some information to think about and to research more. We wish to remind you that good health is your own personal responsibility. The final decision in considering any course of therapy, whether discussed on the internet or prescribed by your physician, is always yours. And if any of that went by you too quick, then go ahead and bounce over to last week's podcast. Episode 19. That's the one where we explain this in great detail. So, you guys, the first thing that we want to tell you is that our book is on Amazon! Yeah. It is available now for pre-order, and you can literally go there and check it out right now. Yes. Which is really, really exciting to us. Uh, We have PDF review copies, and they're actually even sending us a print review copy, but somehow seeing it on Amazon as a thing that can be bought (laughs) really made it real for me. Yeah, which is not to say that we don't have conflicting feelings about Amazon, of course, and so yeah. on. Yeah. Yes. But, you know, it still it still feels pretty cool to see our book and our names up there. And uh, maybe we'll just enjoy that for a moment. But I am pretty excited next week to go to our local independent bookstore, um, Brookline Booksmith, and talk to them and see if they want to carry the book. Yeah. So that will be even better. When it's there, it will be even better. Yeah, that sounds great. Yeah. So um, this book, by the way, is called <laughs> Herbal Medicine for Beginners by by us, Katya Swift and Rin Madura. <laughs> and we're wicked excited about this. One of the things that we really wanted to get across with this book was that you don't have to know 10 million herbs to be able to really effectively take care of yourself and your family through all the daily and yearly stuff that happens. Mm-hmm. So we chose 35 really common, safe, easy-to-find herbs, and we set out to basically solve every problem with those 35 (laughs) plants. Yes, all of the problems. (laughs) Every problem. (laughs) Um, Yeah, international strife, bureaucracy. Maybe not those problems. um, Yeah, well, maybe not those problems. But all your your basic health problems, and and you really can do it. Mm Mm-hmm. So one of the reasons that this works is because we started out with uh, making sure to include the foundational system of what's called energetics. So we've mentioned this once or twice on the podcast before. It's sort of a weird old way of saying that we're going to make sure to include plants that are warming and cooling, plants that are moistening and drying, and then plants that are tonifying and relaxing. And we're really going to look at all of the herbs we we cover in the book and really all the herbs that we ever work with Mm -hmm. um, as falling somewhere on each of those three spectra. So this helps you to uh, actually break down your materia medica, your set of plants, but also the kinds of problems or the kind of human ailments that people experience into those categories as well. So if we've got a good variety of herbs in each of those categories, then you can take a look at whatever's going on in your body and match them up appropriately. And this is something that we write about in the book and teach you how to do that uh, effectively. Um, And we also give you a kind of a cheat sheet to get started. We cover about 70 specific ailments in the book, things like heartburn and 
stomach upset and insomnia and um, I don't know, what were your favorites? Oh, UTI and various types of depression. Um, We've got one for wound care in there. It's a pretty broad, um, pretty broad set. Um, so we cover those in a little bit of detail, and we uh, suggest a couple of recipes that, that you might work with um, uh, involving some herbs to, to apply to them. And, and it's all kind of discussed in that same language of, this is a state where there's too much heat in this constrained area, and we need to release some constriction and cool the area down. And then we choose the herbs to help you do that, put them together in a way that ought to taste good and be effective, and ideally both. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, give you a, a solid foundation to begin with. Another way of saying that is, just to be like a little more specific, if you have a cold in your lungs, you know, like a respiratory thing going on, you really do have cold in your lungs. So you want something to warm you up. And if you have a bunch of wet, gunky phlegm, you want something to help that come up and out. And so when we define all the herbs, we talk about each one of them in this way. Like what kinds of things can they do in terms of a wet situation or a cold situation? And then when we wrote about the ailments, we made sure to explain the energetics of those too. So you can just follow um, the cheat sheet about which herbs are going to be really effective in which situations or, you know, you can also use the recipes that we provide, and we explain why we, we made those, but you can also mix and match for yourself. And that's not going to be hard because we tried really hard to lay out all that underlying stuff that's going on so that it's it just makes sense for you. You're not just memorizing, oh, well, chamomile for a headache. Mm. Well, I don't know. Is chamomile right for this headache? Let's find out. Yeah. So, we, I felt really good that in a, a number of places we said, so this basic formula, as it's written here, is going to be quite drying. If you have somebody with a really dry constitution, make it in this way instead. So this is a, a way that we always think about our formulas, is, is saying, like, okay, here's the actions we want. These are the effects we want to have on the body. But then, oops, that sort of energetic balance of this formula is going to go too far in one direction. And so... For this type of person, it's going to be fine, but for this other type of person, we're going to need to adjust it. So in the book, we have some really concrete examples for that. Um, again, just using a selection from that, that 35 herbs that we profiled in some detail. So that way you can start to see how that process of adjusting a formula to the individual you're working with or to your own personal body, how that really plays out. Well, anyway, yeah. don't take our word for it. <laughs> You should never believe anything we say, really. You should try it out yourself. So go on over to Amazon.com and pre-order the book and try it out yourself. Yeah. Let us know how, if you like it. Yeah. We hope that you do. So again, that's Herbal Medicine for Beginners and uh, should pop right up when you, when you go searching. Cool. All right. The more people search for it, I guess the better it comes up in the search results. So... So, so we appreciate it if you give that a look. <laughs> but if you use our last names or either one of our names, then it'll come up pretty immediately, I think. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. Search mechanics 101. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So what shall we talk about this week, Ladybird? Well, it's my daughter Amber's birthday on Tuesday. Yeah. And that means that 15 years ago today, I was pretty miserable. So I thought that I would talk about some really great herbs for right before giving birth. And um, I went long, so she was born at like 41 and a half weeks, somewhere like that. And that's really common for a first baby. And in fact, like, went long. There's no such thing. Babies are not 
done in 40 weeks. That That's an estimate. Every baby takes its own amount of time to cook and they're ready when they're ready. So, you know, whatever. But I, I was about 41 and a half weeks and I labored really long too. I labored for 52 and a half hours. So that was a whole thing. That's quite a while. <laughs> it, was, it was a really long time. But the thing is that at the end of pregnancy, um, everybody just wants the baby to come out. Mama wants the baby out. The hospital wants the baby out or the birth workers. In my case, I had a home birth midwife. Everybody is just ready to get on with it already. And this is just one of those things. We have to do it on baby's timeline, like it or not. Baby will come out when baby's ready. I mean, unless there's some sort of emergency situation, mm. in which case we can be grateful that we have people who are skilled at that. But yeah. for the average baby, you know, with no emergencies, it's just got to do it when baby's ready, which... You, you, you cope with that a lot. You have many times had uh, women come in and they're mm-hmm. like, all right, so it's, it's time, right? It's going it's to be soon. And I've heard <laughs> you just over and over again be like, uh, don't, don't get your hopes up for mm-hmm. like the precise day. No, nope. it's, it's not time yet. It's yeah. so. <laughs> not time yet. Yeah. And, you know, I think it's great training, actually. Um, so much of pregnancy is such good training for parenthood. Like all the discomfort and all the... Like, <laughs> it's such good training for parenthood. You're really selling it here. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that that last like home stretch of like, come on out of here. And baby's like, not yet. I'm not ready. Like so, such good training for parenthood because you'll never be on time again once you have a baby. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Anyway... One fact. But 52 and a half hours. I know. I, I hear you say that like at least once a year when we teach our yep. class on like pregnancy and birth and all of that. But just every time I'm just blown away. Yeah, not so much as an aspirin either. Nothing. <laughs> For me though, like a big factor in that was tension. So there was nothing wrong. Um, the baby wasn't in distress. I mean, the midwife was monitoring, obviously. And if anything had been wrong, we would have gone to the hospital. But... Um, there wasn't anything wrong. The thing is that we had just gone to war again in the Middle East, and it didn't occur to anyone to turn off CNN. And I know that sounds really absurd, but all the things at that time were just kind of slurrying together, and it was just a weird time. So finally we figured it out, and like I think that was really stretching out that initial period before labor even started. Um, because even that went on, like, where it was like, ooh, is labor starting? Uh, no, it's not. It, like This was this, like, post-9-11 invasion of Iraq yeah. kind of thing. This was a, this was after they had already gone into Afghanistan. And... It was 2003. Yeah. It was, yeah, it was... But it was this big push. It was crazy. And, like, lots of... <laughs> lots of nonsense. Well, yeah. yeah the so thing. there was just so much tension in my body. Eventually, we did figure the CNN part out. Um, so I turned, we turned that off and I went outside and had a walk and, you know, that helped a lot. But, uh, finally we replaced war coverage with the Enya Shepherd Moon CD (laughs) and that played on repeat for all 52 and a half of the active hours of labor. (laughs) And at that point, um, later, like after she was born, I put the CD in her baby box and I never listened to it again. And then... One day recently, I don't know, like maybe six months ago, I heard it playing in her room and I was like, what, what is, where did she find it? And she had actually found the music on YouTube and she was totally entranced by it. And I, I had never, she'd never heard it before. 
And I walked in and she was like, Mama, isn't this music so beautiful? <laughs> I just burst out laughing because I was like, oh my goodness, that's so perfect, you know. Whatever. <laughs> so my point here is, though, there are two really awesome herbs for helping to relax the body and the pelvic area and actually even the cervix. Well, there, there may be more than two, but... Yeah, yes, there are probably lots. <laughs> Only of two in the whole world. Only two. Yeah, no, um, that, that never happens, you guys, by the way. <laughs> just as a little side note here, um, there, there are no herbs that are completely and totally 100% unique in all of the things that they do. And also every single herb is completely and totally unique in all of the ways that it does its palette of things together. Yeah. So... Uh, yes. This has been a word from our nitpicking sponsor. (laughs) Um, Right, so two herbs that are really great for relaxing. And the first one is um, uh, sort of maybe a mundane-sounding plant, and that's ginger. And if you're a pregnant person, maybe you've been working with ginger all along to help with morning sickness and other things, but ginger is one of my favorite antispasmodics really specific to the pelvic region but but really for me it's it's pretty systemic it it gets all the muscles and the nerves like ginger is just really effective relaxation medicine for me and um the other one you may not may or may not have heard of and this is lobelia now lobelia if you take a lot of it it can it does cause vomiting that's not a bad thing uh, sometimes you you need that, so that's handy. So we don't want to take a lot. We're only going to take like three drops. Um, but lobelia is an extremely effective relaxing plant. Um, I personally have an anaphylactic allergy, and I use lobelia um, for anaphylactic attacks. Um, and um, a lot of herbalists I know use it for asthma attacks. And it's really, really effective for any of that bronchodilation action that you're looking for. But it's also topically or internally a great muscle relaxant. And then um, a doula friend of ours who actually is a graduate of our three-year program and then went on to become a doula. And she is a powerhouse. She's, I think, I really think she's the best doula in all of Boston. But her name is Emma O'Brien. and Her website she, is uh, lavandula.com. Com. Yes, L-A-V-A-N-D-O-U-L-A. Which is a wonderful little uh, portmanteau pun, yes. uh, where lavandula is the botanical name for lavender, and then dula, and so, ah, I love it. So awesome. Clever. Um, and she actually um, was able to actively measure cervical relaxation from... Um, three to five drops of lobelia and and she did some experimentation um, with a group of women that um, that she was working with and was able to actually visualize the relaxation so um, that was really really interesting and um, that was information that I've never seen written before which doesn't mean that it hasn't been written somewhere Um, but she just got it in her head that she wanted to try it And then happens, because she's a a doula and a birth worker, happened to have the equipment to be able to then actually visibly observe what was going on. So that's really, really cool. Um, And, you know, again, in in small doses, three to five drops, totally, totally safe. Um, Just don't take enough to vomit, and especially because at that point that could be a thing anyway. You Mm -hmm. also could use this topically. 
So then I also wanted to share some of my favorite nervines because mental tension was definitely a factor for me. Um, but, you know, you don't have to be on the brink of war to feel tension and anxiousness as you're going into labor time. And I mean, I felt that not just because of war, but also because I was kind of scared about giving birth. Um, it's a scary thing. It's daunting. So um, so I wanted to share a few nervines that I think are really particularly, um, particularly appropriate here. And in this case, I vote for tincture instead of tea. And the reason is that if you take tincture, there's less to vomit later. Um, at this point, you're really uh, in a very different and, and fairly altered state of consciousness. So you may only need a couple of drops of tincture. But when I was in labor, I vomited everything. I vomited ice chips. I vomited literally every single thing. I vomited when I thought about drinking water. Like, it was it was absurd. It sounds pretty bad. It was awful. <laughs> so, really, just a drop of tincture. Um, you don't even swallow that. It just sort of evaporates on your tongue. Um, but at, at this point, really, a drop of tincture, I think, is going to be sufficient so the first one that I want to mention is wood betony, and that one is Statius officinalis. Depending on which part of the country you're in, um, you might hear wood betony be Statius officinalis, and you might hear it be Pedicularis, any number of various species. Um, and in this case, I'm specifically referring to Statius. Um, and this is a plant that really helps to move you into your body, and get you out of your cerebral thinky place. And that's really important because when it's time to give birth, you cannot think that through. It is, it's feral. It's something that you have to do in your body 100%. And um, although this has improved greatly over the years, especially still, still the case for me was when I was giving birth, that I, I was not very comfortable in my body. I was much more comfortable in my mind than in my body. So it was really hard for me to get into my body, to trust my body to do this work um, and not try to overthink what was going on. And in fact, um, my midwife, when, when it really came time for her to, to actually physically come out, uh, my midwife was watching the progression and she was giving me some some information and she said okay you know a couple more pushes and I think you're gonna be there and on the next push her head popped out and I can remember because when you're giving birth your brain doesn't work the same as normal brains I can remember trying to grab her head and stuff it back in because I thought I did it wrong <laughs> because I was like oh no it was too soon <laughs> you know? and of course I did not actually succeed in even reaching her head like but like in my thinking brain I was like but I did it wrong put it back <laughs> so don't worry I didn't actually do it but um <laughs> but just you know it's not something that you can think it's something that you have to to body yourself through um so anyway would bet me really for getting in there and then um, ghost pipe, Monotropa uniflora, is a, a beautiful, beautiful plant that um, this plant is at risk, mostly from habitat destruction. 
uh, you cannot grow it. It has to grow in the wild and it requires healthy forests to grow in. Um, but you also only need a tiny, tiny bit. Even if you're not giving birth, you only need like three drops. Uh, so uh, in a good year, when ghost pipe is having a good solid season, we will make two pints of tincture. Um, and we use about five to ten ghost pipe flowers and stalks to do that. And that's it. And we will, we, we, that will last us for a couple of years. So we only make it when ghost pipe is having a really strong year. It's a tremendously powerful, effective plant, but I just want to be really clear that um, this plant is at risk. And so we want to be extremely conscientious about how we work with it. Um, and flower essence uh, is very, very effective. So you actually can just make flower essence and not even harvest the plant at all. Mm -hmm. And that's really great. Um, and if you do work with it, we've only found it to be effective in the form of a tincture from fresh plant material. Mm -hmm. So just in case you ever see someone trying to sell you dried ghost pipe, then scold them harshly. Yes, yes. You cannot dry ghost pipe. It, it's tincture only or, or flower essence. Um, but this is really excellent for anxiety from overstimulation, among any number of other things. Um, and especially if you, maybe you're having a hospital birth and there's a lot going on, there's a lot of hustle and bustle, or maybe you planned a home birth and that's not how it worked out. And for your safety and the baby's safety, you end up transferring to the hospital. But now there's a lot of chaos because first there was maybe a ride in the ambulance and then maybe there's, you know, okay, we're at the hospital and it, nothing is the way that you planned it. And you're feeling like, oh my goodness, there's all this outside stimulation and I just want to be in a cave in the dark and quiet right now. Um, then ghost pipe is going to be so helpful in that kind of a situation to just help you get some distance from whatever the hustle and bustle is that's going on around you and get really focused in where the place that you need to be. Um, so that's really good. Mm -hmm. Then, um, you know, chamomile. Chamomile is still my favorite plant. Um, and it is, um, it is gentle but so potent. And chamomile is another antispasmodic. It is antispasmodic to your body. It is antispasmodic to your mind. And of course, those two things are one inseparable thing. Um, but we don't have one inseparable word to use to say them both at the same time. Um, but it is just a, a wonder plant. I can't even... Um, and the reality is that in order to contract, in order to really have those effective, efficient contractions, sometimes first you have to relax. If you're really, really tense, then your muscles are going to be spasmy and how, like, you can't contract more from being in that tense contraction place. So getting that kind of relaxation both on the nervous system side and on the physiological side is really, really important. I love a good tincture of chamomile and ginger blended together. It is tremendously effective for me um, in so many ways, whether it is, you know, uh, some indigestion or I ate too much mm. or whether it is that I can't get to sleep at night um, because of tension. Yeah. And chamomile, if you've never, if you've never experienced chamomile tincture, 
um, definitely give that a try sometime. It is a, a very different experience from a, a cup of chamomile tea, especially if you've only ever had chamomile from from tea bags. Mm. Um, there's a whole other range of flavor and uh, effect you get from chamomile tincture, or if you make a very strong chamomile tea, like fill your jar halfway, three quarters of the way full with flowers, pour in hot boiling water, close it up and let it steep for 30 minutes to an hour. That'll be really different from a tea bag cup. So um, I think that having the experience with those preparations of chamomile will really kind of, I don't know, make true believers out of you. (laughs) Um, Do not believe anything we say. Try it in your body, then you'll know. Yeah. Yeah. So those are just some plants that I really... When people think about, you know, it's time to give birth, they think, oh, black and blue cohosh, and I'm not a fan for mm-hmm. lots of reasons, and we teach about that in other places. Um, for hours and hours, I can't, I can't do it in a short podcast. But, but these plants are plants that are safe, that are effective, and so much of the time, the thing that really is impeding progress is tension. So, um, so ditch the tension. Mm-hmm. Here are some plants to help you. Well, 15 years later, she's pretty great. Yeah. I asked her if she wanted to participate in the podcast today, and she was like, Mama, then you'd have to do like 57 takes. <laughs> <laughs> and so... She she likes to get it just perfect, so... Yeah. yeah. She said, Mama, I'm a visual artist. Right. Which she is. <laughs> but um, anyway, so yeah. happy birthday, Amber. Yeah, happy birthday. Well, I wasn't there for that day. Uh, I came along somewhat later. When I met Amber, she was like four or five. Four or five. Yeah. yeah. Four and a half. Four and a half. That's the one. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, I'm, I'm Rin. I'm not so much stepdad or yeah other other names that people might get. Um, so I've learned some things around parenting over these years. <laughs> it was not something that was ever kind of in my life plan if I had one. <laughs> um, but it's been, I think, good for me. Good for good for me as a human to like have a smaller human around and <laughs> yeah you know occasionally give some advice or some thoughts um but uh i've mainly had my role in our little family be to take care of katya and try to help her out when uh, when she needs it so there are some things i found that have been helpful and others i've tried that were not quite what you really <laughs> wanted uh certainly uh Needed to do some learning along the way with how to serve my ladybird. You know, none of this stuff comes naturally. Parenting does not come naturally. Marriage does not come naturally. (laughs) I think the support of others does not necessarily come naturally. Hmm. And these are things, even if we care and we really want to be in service to others, you still have to learn how to do that really effectively. Yeah. Yeah. So... I'm still learning, but I think I've gotten a pretty good uh, repertoire. Yeah. And uh, one of the things that it turns out is very helpful and that you like quite a lot is a nice massage at the end of the day. Yes. Um, And uh, this, too, is a place where herbs can enhance everything. So um, one of the favorite things that I have around uh, for when that's how I'm going to take care of you in a day is this little bottle of a massage oil. Um, and this is one that I actually, uh, we bought from, or actually I think we got this back when we had the surprise box. Yes. From Kings Road Apothecary, who I know we've mentioned down here before. 
because we are completely in love with Rebecca Altman's uh, herbal uh, concoctions. concoctions. Yeah, so um, definitely I'll, I'll put a link to uh, her uh, shop front in the show notes, and um, y'all can check that out. I'm not sure if this particular one is available but um, uh, at the moment, but it's really fantastic. So this is a, like I said, a kava and vanilla massage oil. I bet if you request it special, she'll make you some. Yeah, she's pretty lovely that way. Um, so, yeah, so this uh, kava and vanilla, right? So those are the major herbs in here. And these are in a base of um, jojoba and sunflower oils. And there's some kava that's extracted right into there. And then um, from the ingredients here, um, she added rose absolute, which is like, it's kind of like an essential oil, but not really. Um, it's like somewhere between a essential oil and a hydrosol, I understand yeah, it. Yeah. yeah, it is like one drop of essential oil added to a carrier oil that's usually jojoba. Hmm. Um, and mostly that's just because... Um, rose essential oil is so prohibitively expensive. It's like $500 for a quarter of an ounce or something. <laughs> Crazy. Yeah. Um, but Rose Absolute kind of, uh, it works in a very similar way to other essential oils. So that's in there. And then, of course, the vanilla. And that was, I guess, included in here as, a, as an essential oil as well. Um, but it smells lovely um, from the rose and the vanilla. That's really nice. Um, yeah, but that the, part matters. It does, right? Because... Kava itself doesn't necessarily have a bad smell. I think it's kind of nice, but not everyone agrees. No, no, we do not all agree. We do not all agree. But this, the vanilla and the rose are so strong that it completely overpowers the kava smell, and mm. it just smells so delightful. Yeah. But so it's nice to have the kava in there, because kava is an herb that a lot of folks are, are maybe, you know, have heard of or, or got familiar with as an anti-anxiety remedy. Um, it's usually the first way people encounter it um, out there in the world. Um, but it's a really excellent, again, anti-spasmodic. It's a little theme today. <laughs> um, helps to release tension. And when you, say, take a tincture or make a tea out of kava, then you're going to get a kind of distributed whole body effects, release some muscular tension, and that helps you to feel calmer in your mind. But the nice thing about it is that it doesn't really dull the mind or, or make you loopy or anything like that. Um, However, kava is really worth exploring in topical preparations. Um, if for no other reason than that you don't have to taste it. <laughs> yeah, you miss out on the wonderful taste of kava. It's sort of like peppery mud where it numbs your tongue afterward. Mm, that's so nice. <laughs> yeah. So gross. <laughs> um, but yeah, so topically you don't have to taste it. Uh, but you can still get that effect and it really works quite well. It's sort of... Feels like a, a warmth that seeps down into the muscles and mm-hmm. lets everything let go. Um, feels really good that way. So yeah, so um, we've had this bottle around for a while, and I'm not 100% sure if this is the original one because I know I've made something similar um, just on our keep own. Keep refilling the bottle. Yeah, just fill it back up again. So um, I would advise if you want to make this, uh, if it's at all possible, get your hands on some fresh kava. Um, they will FedEx it to you from, from Hawaii. Yeah, yeah. You would just want to reach out to a, a kava grower out in the islands and, you know, ask, ask to do that and arrange that. But um, it makes a huge difference. Um, I do this now both for when I tincture kava and for when I want to make an infused oil. Um, you can tincture kava, at least, from dried plant matter, but it's just nowhere near the same as when you work from fresh. So it's really kind of worth going the extra thousand miles yeah on that one it's an extravagance and it's an ecological you know but for if you do it once a year 
Mm. You know, and you. Yeah, I mean, yeah, for us it's been a couple of years actually. I've had that that stuff from that last batch, but well, anyway. um, But yeah, so you can make this on your own, and you can also, um, if you uh, if you wanted to, you can go ahead and add the vanilla as an essential oil. You might also add it as a tincture, and this would make Mm -hmm. it more of a kind of a liniment sort of a thing where you're blending oil and and tincture together. Um, But vanilla is a very easy tincture to make. Um, Pretty much just get your hands on some vanilla beans, slice them down the center, put it in a bottle with some alcohol and wait. Mm -hmm. Super simple Um, and very strong. You know, you don't need to like stuff your jar full, which is nice because that would be... (laughs) It would be really expensive. Really expensive. But yeah, vanilla is a really strong scent and flavor and... um, Oftentimes when you do that, you might make your first batch as you're like, this is my medicinal strength vanilla tincture, and then run them a second time and have that more as a flavoring agent. Yeah. Um, You know, vanilla on its own right uh, is one we haven't spoken about before too much, I think, but um, it's an excellent mood-lifting herb, and that effect does come uh, strongly from the scent. Um, We also find that there's a little more potency to it if you do take a vanilla tincture internally. Um, but even just the smell is going to have this nice sort of relaxing and elevating effect um, concurrently, both at the same time. Um, and again, that's really nice. So in this oil, you know, you've got the, the kava kind of like seeping into your muscles, warming them, releasing that. You've got the smells of the rose and the vanilla coming out. Um, it's just a really excellent little formula. So thanks, Rebecca. Nice work on that one. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you have someone that you need to take care of, consider this. Yeah, it's a really good one. Yeah. You know, speaking of vanilla, actually the next video in our Materia, Materia Medica online program that I'm going to edit tonight is the vanilla video. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you want to know more about Materia Medica, then you should check out our online program. Um and check out that Materia Medica program. It is right now, I'm on like the 80th herb, um, 79th or so. It is um, growing every day. Um, so you can get up close and personal and in-depth and all that good stuff with mm-hmm. with all these different herbs and really, really learn how to, how to work with them in your life on a daily basis. So check that out. That's at our website, commonwealthherbs.com. Mm-hmm. Yep, and uh, and that's that. So yeah, check that out and uh, check out our, our book. You can pre-order it now if you want to. Again, that's Herbal Medicine for Beginners by Katja Swift and Rin Madura. Yay! And uh, I think that's all we've got for you this week. That's it. We'll yeah. see you next week, guys. All right, take care. Bye. Ready. Ready, you guys. We're doing it. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) Okay. Hi, I'm Katya. And I'm Rin. And we're at the Commonwealth Center for Holistic Herbalism here in Boston, Massachusetts. And these are our happy voices. Oh, no. We have to start over. Oh, we have to? Okay. All right, sorry. We'll be serious about our podcast intro. Hi, I'm Katya. You are? No. Oh. (laughs) Sorry, here I go. Wait, let's do it the other way. Hi, I'm Rin. What?
<laughs> <laughs> no, no, you're right. Your name goes first. All right, go ahead. <laughs>